Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress, and we are on it like a bonnet. I'm John Fugel saying so good to have you with us as we bring good trouble to the right wing bubble. We are with our executive producer, Chris Hauselt out of South Carolina. Associate producer Thea Harper out of Brooklyn, New York. What a show we have tonight. What a day. Uh, did, did you did you just stay true to hope? All through the spring and all through the winter, did you just keep thinking that maybe, just maybe, these Democrats might be able to get blood from a stone somehow? They couldn't get the Republicans to come over. They couldn't even get the Democrats to come over. But did you did you just hang on to not going full cynic? And do you feel a little bit rewarded tonight? Because I got to tell you, it's our job as liberals or progressives, what have you, moderates, Democrats, anti-evil people. It's our job to have critical thinking towards our own side. It's our job to talk about things in the Inflation Reduction Act that don't actually solve every problem on earth. It's our job to take the piss a little bit and be just a little bit cynical. But in our hearts, we're filled with hope because we care about other people. You listen to a channel like this because you care about people you will never know. If you listen to progress, it's because you care about citizens that you don't look like, that you don't sound like, that you don't worship like, that you don't dress like. Because you care, because you know we're all in this together, and that things that help some of us probably help all of us. Today is one of those days. There's a lot to be optimistic about, and not even because Val Demings is starting to beat Marco Rubio in the polls. Uh, First, let's get to some business. we got a great, great show coming up. Hello to everyone listening live, our evil army of the night. You're welcome to call us anytime at 866-997-4748. we got a fun one. Dr. Mustafa, uh, Mustafa Santiago Ali returns to the show to talk about the climate provisions in the Investment Reduction Act. If you are listening to us, on the John Fuglesang podcast, on the SiriusXM app, on SiriusXM On Demand. Hello to all of the daywalkers. We hope you are doing well. We love you very much. We love getting your comments on Twitter or via our Facebook page or my website. Please write us anytime. And if you're ever near a phone in the evenings and want to be part of the live experience, we love having you as well. 866-997-GRIT. That's the number. And a little bit of business before we dive into the whole thing. Uh, we are coming back to D.C. Stephanie Miller's Sexy Liberal Comedy Tour is now the Sexy Liberal Save Democracy Comedy Tour. And we're going to do one night in D.C. at Sydney Harmon Hall with the tour's original lineup. For the first time in, I think, nine years, it's going to be just Stephanie... Hal Sparks and myself with a bunch of special guests. We're not, I think we can announce that Glenn Kirshner's going to do it. Yeah. We're bringing out the sexy. Glenn Kirshner will be there. The last time we did a show in Washington, D.C., Stephanie and I were there with Margaret Show and Malcolm Nance joined us on stage. It was a great, great party. This is going to be the beginning of midterm season. If you're on the East Coast, come be in a room full of very sane, deeply deviant people who vote just like you. You can go to sexyliberal.com for tickets. It's going to be really funny on top of everything 
else. Let's get to it. Let's do a show. Uh Big news going on today. And of course, as we do the live show, we'll be bringing you updates. Liz Cheney, Lisa Murkowski, and Sarah Palin are all on the ballot tonight. Primary voters in Wyoming and Alaska are going to the polls. Let's not expect anything quick to come out of Alaska. It's going to take a while. But in Alaska, Mary uh, Peltola is up against Sarah Palin, who's up against Nicholas Bagish III. Uh, Those polls close at 8 p.m. Alaska time in Wyoming. It's Liz Cheney up against Harriet Hageman. And I just, I, oh my God, if Harriet Hageman really wins, I, I, all I can say about Harriet Hageman is she's the best character on the new Kids in the Hall show on Amazon Prime. I, I don't know if it's Scott or Bruce playing her, but wow. The makeup's a little ridiculous, but the humor's there. These primaries that are happening as we speak in Wyoming and Alaska are the test of how effective Donald Trump's political death wish will be against anyone who's told the truth about him. Now let's start. Thank you. I'm just going to begin the whole thing thanking you guys because you're hearing a lot of thanks thrown around to Schumer and to, to, to Manchin and to Joe Biden. And, and guy, guy, thank, thank voters. Can we just thank normal people today? Because if Democrats didn't win the presidency, if so many Americans, black, white, rich, poor, male, female, gay, straight, Trans is so many Americans who didn't have Joe Biden as their first choice, but they showed up to vote for him anyway. Think about everyone in Georgia who showed up in a special election just two months after the regular election, which netted the Democratic Party two Senate seats for Senators Ossoff, friend of this show, and Senator Warnock. Think about if, if, if Joe Biden had lost a couple of states, if we had one fewer Senate seat and it was 5149. We would not have just seen prescription drug costs for seniors capped at $2,000 a year max. If we didn't have all 50 of those Senate seats, including the shitty ones you don't like in states like Arizona and West Virginia, if we didn't have those senators, if fewer people had showed up to vote in 2020, we would not be saying tonight that Medicare will finally be allowed to negotiate lower drug prices. If, if we just said, look, I, my, Biden wasn't in my top choice, not in my third, fourth choice, I'm not showing up to vote. It, if we had done that, we would not be able to say that as of today, the biggest climate action in American history has been signed into law. So really, seriously, just just give yourself a pat on the back because you damn well showed up to vote in 2020. Maybe you didn't feel like it. Maybe you had a lot going on. I sure did. There was a plague, for God's sakes, but you did it. Maybe you did it by mail. Maybe you waited in line. But you were part of proving why democracy works, and you're part of the ongoing proof that democracy is better than authoritarian fascism, calling itself a republic that the U.S. right wing is trying to force on us. Guys, this has been one of the most productive 18 months in the history of the United States Senate. I mean, you you had chips, right? And where I guess they said they're going to make more shows for Eric Estrada. No, that's about processors and technology and creating thousands of new jobs in America. The Inflation Reduction Act, the PACT Act, looking out for veterans who've been injured by burn pits or Agent Orange, postal service reform, a 1.9 trillion American relief plan, the first major gun safety bill in decades, making NATO stronger, confirming more judicial nominees. The fastest recovery in history, the fastest job growth in U.S. history, the first black woman to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court, gas prices, the lowest they've been in 50 days, unemployment, the lowest it's been in 50 years. And as of today, a $739 billion Inflation Reduction Act signed into law. Look, I made fun of it plenty. It was build back better. And then they killed it. And I kept saying it'll come back as limp back later wisely, they got away from alliteration and called it Inflation Reduction Act. And the right wing's having a fit because no, it doesn't reduce inflation. No, it does not reduce inflation. Okay, you're right. What it does is make people's lives a lot easier while we're dealing with inflation, which helps. It helps in so many areas. And if they're allowed to call what they did the Patriot Act, we're allowed to call this the Inflation Reduction Act. Joe Biden signed the IRA into law today, handing the sole signatory pen to Senator Joe Manchin. Here, Joe Biden says, get out your shade because America's future is bright. 
offers further proof that the soul of America is vibrant, the future of America is bright, and the promise of America is real and just beginning. I mean, the Inflation Reduction Act does a lot of little things. It is not the cure-all. It is not some LBJ-level transformative. Look, I've said for a long time, we're in the golden age of modest improvement being hailed as sweeping reform. (laughs) But, guys, after four years of Trump and two years of whatever this is, I'll take any kind of modest reform we can get. It lowers prescription drug prices. It will finally enable Medicare to negotiate the price of prescription drugs. It prevents excessive price hikes. Seniors are going to pay less for drugs. Stop. Seniors will pay less for drugs. This law will cap their prescription drug out-of-pocket costs at $2,000 a year, no matter how many prescriptions they have. You know, the big drug companies spent nearly $100 million to beat this law. And Democrats deserve all the praise they're getting for cracking down on big pharma's greed. They're also extending health insurance subsidies for millions of of Americans. Here's more Joe Biden, very enthusiastic about Medicare's new ability to negotiate drug prices, something he was fighting for back when he first entered Congress. I got here as a 29-year-old kid. We were promising to make sure that Medicare would have the power to negotiate lower drug prices back then. Back then, prescription drug prices. But guess what? We're giving Medicare the power to negotiate those prices now. 13 million Americans are going to see an average savings of $800 a year, which if you're in the bottom 13 million of people income wise, that's a lot of money. And that's on top of the $2,400 in savings through the American Rescue Plan that was signed last year. And then there's the climate change aspect. We're going to talk about this with Dr. Uh, Santiago Ali later in the show. But this bill signed into law today is going to put about $370 billion into fighting climate change and bolstering U.S. energy production. It is making politicians who are shills of fossil fuel industry furious, but it's going to have incentives for private companies to produce more renewable energy, for households to transform their energy use and consumption, tax credits for people who buy electric vehicles. And uh, Democrats did all of this today without a single Republican vote. Joe Biden used his speech today to drive home multiple very important talking points. You'll be hearing more and more for midterm elections. Uh, Pori Hemplo here, he notes how many Republicans voted for this historic and helpful legislation. In this historic moment, Democrats sided with the American people and every single Republican in the Congress sided with the special interest in this vote. Did you get to see him actually signing the bill? This is one of those nights, Chris, where I really feel bad that we are in an audio-only medium. Because did you happen to see the video of Joe Biden physically signing it? And then he takes the pen. And, you know, every time a president signs a bill into law, they take the pen and they give it to the Smithsonian or some such. He takes the pen and he extends it out past Schumer, Schumer, who's standing right next to him. And he gives it directly to Manchin. And, And did you see the look on his face? When he gave it to Manchin, at, just the staring, he stares at him and stares at him. And it's sort of like, well, Clem, you burned down my barn, but we've decided to let you stay on the ranch anyway. Like he just he just says here, asshole, here's your pen. I got what I wanted. I'm done with you now and looks away. It is just perturbed old man who has no more time for your bullshit because he won and he begrudgingly thanks you all in one glower. Last year, this bill was a lot bigger. Last year, we called it Build Back Better. It was $2 trillion. And it got killed in Congress because of Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema after weeks of negotiations. I mean, Manchin just had so many people coming in on their weekends to work to get this thing just where he wanted it. And in December, he said, nope, I can't do it. But last month, the big summer surprise, Manchin announced he had a surprise deal with Schumer. And they had a new name for it, Inflation Reduction Act, a lot smaller than BBB, but it really achieves a lot of the same goals. Like I said, $370 billion on climate change and clean energy production, $60 billion for boosting renewable energy infrastructure and manufacturing, tax credits for electric vehicles, uh, the $2,000 cap on prescription drug costs for Medicare, three-year extension on the ACA healthcare subsidies, and and a 15% minimum tax for corporations making $1 billion or more in income. Yes, folks, it took somehow wrestling Joe Manchin to the ground and getting 50 votes with Kamala Harris as the tiebreaker 
to make billion-dollar corporations pay a little tiny bit in taxes. I mean, there's the Medicare insulin cap, $5 billion in drought resiliency, 1% excise tax on stock buybacks, extra IRS enforcement. This is going to make the super rich pay a little bit more of their fair share, or at least pay more to their accountants to not have to pay it. It closes loopholes. It implements the 15% corporate minimum tax, which applies only to the 150 corporations earning over $1 billion in profits that now pay less than 15% in taxes. I mean, giant corporations that have paid zero in taxes on profits over $1 billion. It happened. They did it. Democrats required corporations to pay a minimum tax, and not one single Republican voted for this. That's what you got to remember. Not so much what the Democrats achieved, but how much the Republicans didn't want it achieved. Every single Republican in the Senate voted against lower prescription drug prices, against lower health care costs, against a fairer tax system. Every single Republican voted to do nothing about the climate crisis. Every single Republican voted to do nothing about creating good-paying jobs. Democrats were trying to cut the deficit to fight inflation by having the wealthy and the big corporations pay a little bit more of their fair share, and every Republican opposed a minimum tax of 15%. Just want them to still get away with paying zero in federal income taxes. Here's Joe Biden definitively smashing the Republican Party talking point about tax hikes for any Americans who make below 400K. No one, let me emphasize, no one earning less than $400,000 a year will pay a penny more in federal taxes. Now, will this help them in the midterms? Will anyone care? Will the benefits be seen soon enough? You know, that's kind of the concern with the infrastructure bill. I mean... Think about it. They're going to let Medicare negotiate its prices for some prescription drugs. Can that help them in the midterms with seniors who do show up to vote? Don't forget 2018. What did Democrats do who were running in 2018 in the midterms? Did they talk about Trump? Did they talk about Russia? No, they talked about health care and it worked. And they're hoping that delivering on this promise that they've had for decades will keep the majorities in place. I mean... Inflation and gun violence are the top issues in the minds of American voters right now this summer. Healthcare costs come in at number three, and Republicans keep on voting against any kind of drug pricing provisions. I mean, this is going to be what the Democratic messaging is in all the advertising. What you're hearing tonight, how the Republicans didn't want to do anything. And by the way, Big Pharma uh, and, and Pharma, PHRMA, their big trade group, they said they might run ads going after Democrats who voted for this bill. That's how angry the people at Big Pharma, not the scientists who make the drugs, the evil corporations that profit off the illness of others. They want to use this against Democrats. I hope they will. Joe Biden has delivered maybe the most significant collection of legislation since what? LBJ? 18 months. The Infrastructure Bill, the Inflation Reduction Act, the COVID Economic Recovery, Our friends are weighing in. Rob Reiner, friend of this show, says with the signing of the Inflation Reduction Act, I'll say it again. President Biden has accomplished more in his first two years than any president in the last 60. What a pleasure to have someone who can really govern occupying the Oval Office. Uh, The rude pundit. Lee Papa tweeted, hey, kids, just so you know, the way the Inflation Reduction Act was negotiated between conservative Dems and progressive Dems, that used to be how Democrats and Republicans worked on a bill. It wasn't perfect, but it wasn't one side refuses to participate because fuck you. And the great Professor David Rothkopf, friend of the show, Biden's remarks re IRA are deservedly triumphant, offering a compelling, truly meaningful litany of achievements. He is energized as he should be a high point of his presidency and recent U.S. political history. And remember, the Democrats got this done with zero Republican votes. So I wanted to start the show off tonight not raging about Donald Trump and nuclear documents and boxes in his hideous Florida hotel, but to talk about hope, to talk about results, to talk about hanging in there and not giving up. Because the greatest thanks, in my opinion, for these gradual achievements As we claw out of the COVID pandemic, claw ourselves out of the COVID inflation, claw ourselves out of the COVID recession, the greatest praise goes to everyone 
who held their nose and voted for Democrats they didn't agree with 100%. We're seeing it get done. And you want one more little bit of hope for the midterms? The NBA. They've just announced on their 2022 schedule they will have no games on Election Day in the NBA. Instead, the night before, I can't believe they're doing this. I cannot believe the NBA is doing this. All 30 teams are going to play the Monday night before on a special themed civic engagement night that's going to be designed to encourage fans and players and staff and all viewers to vote the next day in the midterm elections. Guys, don't give up. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back. Have you heard of the extreme heat belt? If you haven't, get used to it. It's a new study that reveals this extreme heat belt stretching from Texas to Illinois. St. Louis, Kansas City, Memphis, Tulsa, Chicago. They believe that by the year 2053, in this extreme heat belt, the heat index could reach 125 degrees Fahrenheit at least one day a year by 2053. By 2030, some coastal areas in the southwest and mid-Atlantic may also experience days with a heat index above 125 degrees Fahrenheit. This is very terrifying. It's from a report examining the current and future heat risks. Uh, down to the property level across the country. So it would appear that the incredible climate reforms in the Inflation Reduction Act are coming not a moment too soon. And that's why I'm so thrilled to welcome our next guest back to the show. He's someone I admire tremendously for his intelligence and his commitment and uh, his activism. He also classes up social media quite a bit. Dr. Mustafa Santiago Ali is a strategist, a policymaker, an activist committed to the fight for environmental justice and economic equity. You may have seen him on MSNBC, CNN, Vice and Democracy Now. He served over two decades at the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency as Assistant Associate Administrator for Environmental Justice and Senior Advisor for Environmental Justice and Community Revitalization. It is such a great pleasure to welcome Dr. Mustafa Santiago Ali back to the show. Hello, sir. Thank you for having me. You, know, I, I'm just as equally a big a fan of your work as well and everything you do to illuminate for folks you know, opportunities and challenges that are going on in our country and and a pathway forward. So thanks for having me. I'm very honored. It's always a pleasure to have you back, sir. Before I even begin with today's momentous news, let me just ask, how are you? We haven't talked much since the pandemic began. I've talked to you on social media, but how's your family? How are your people? How have you been getting through this time? Well, you know, uh, unfortunately, we've lost some folks um, because of the pandemic. And uh, I recently just got over uh, COVID, which really got my attention. Um, I, w- I was down for a couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully nobody else has to experience anything like that. And it's another example of, you know, we have a chance to embrace our humanity as a country and come together when we have these challenges and, and find pathways forward. So, um, you know, hopefully uh, in my family and everyone else's family, there'll be no more losses and, uh, you know, we'll continue to uh, come together um, and, and move forward. We've talked a lot, sir, on this show about the link between how we respond to COVID-19 and the link to how we respond to climate change, Uh, Mm -hmm. right down from poor communities being deliberately underserved, essential workers, of course, being put on the front lines, uh, the most marginalized, suffering the most. Uh, We could just go down the list of how many different ways politicians disregard both very real, very human threats. 
Yeah, you know, we, we've got to get our politicians back to a point where they're actually connected with everyday folks. You know, Mrs. Ramirez and Mr. Johnson and Mr. O'Leary, yeah. you know, they have a responsibility to, to be doing everything in their power to make sure that we're protected, um, that we have a, a, a safety net underneath of us. You know, so many people work for decades, sometimes paying into safety nets. Um, and then when they need it, sometimes it's not there. So we've got to make sure that politicians are getting back to the basics, if you will. But they also have to be forward thinking. And forward thinking means that when we see uh, these great sets of challenges that are in front of us, um, that we act. We don't wait, but we, you know, we do our research and then we make sure that we're moving forward on the best sets of solutions and that they are also looking for sets of opportunities that help us to be stronger as a people, especially our most vulnerable communities, African-American communities, Latinx communities, Asian and Pacific Islander communities, indigenous brothers and sisters and lower wealth white communities uh, who often are the ones who have to carry the burdens for the decisions that are being made. Um, so, you know, we have an opportunity in this moment to come together uh, and, and to make our country stronger, um, but also to make sure there's real accountability in the sets of actions um, that are so critical. Well, I thought of you today when I saw the bill signed into law. I, I have to admit, I never thought we'd see this kind of reform happening in my lifetime. I think I, I, I fought against the cynicism in my brain and heart, but it just seemed like it was a losing game. This this new law takes the most aggressive action ever in confronting the climate crisis. And I think really it's a national security bill. I mean, it's all about strengthening our energy security as a nation. Please give us your thoughts. Oh, I mean, this is so critical. It, it is transformational. And everybody knows I believe in real talk. There's a lot of good and a lot of positive that's in the bill. And then there's also some challenges and, and, and some less than good. Some would say yeah. bad. That's also there. Um, but that's a part of the, the, the political system on Capitol Hill um, of trying to figure out a mix. You know, we've got 300 um, and, and, you know, uh, 70 billion dollars that's there. Um, right now to begin to address the climate crisis. It gives us an opportunity to actually uh, have a chance to be able to mitigate many of the impacts um, before they happen. It gives us a chance also to build a stronger infrastructure in our country, creating millions of new jobs. Uh, I think you may remember, you know, I was raised in two places, in Appalachia and in Michigan. And when I think about this bill, there's something in there for the folks who are there who have been working hard for decades and trying to figure out a pathway forward. So you, you've got, you know, whether you're someone who worked in the coal mines, there's money in there for, for folks who have been victims of black lung. You know, those there men and, and, and some women who went down in that, you know, in that darkness to, to bring up, you know, coal at one time uh, to help to power our country. So now we make sure that they know that they're not forgotten and they're a part of this just transition. You know, for those car companies that so many families worked in, you know, over in Detroit and in other locations across the country, we now have resources to help them move forward on electric vehicles. And why is that so important? Because we often talk about electric vehicles without pointing out the fact that in our country, we've got two to 300,000 people who are dying prematurely every year to air pollution. Thank more people you. are dying. Yeah, more people are dying from air pollution than car crashes, overdoses of drugs, um, uh, or even gun violence. So we know that's really serious. And now through electric vehicles, through those tax um, incentives, if you want to buy a new one, a $7,500 tax credit to help you to be able to do that. If you want to buy a used one, which many of us you know, buy used cars, $4,000. There's dollars also for charging stations, making sure that we're building out the infrastructure across our country that's so incredibly important. So, uh, I mean, I can go down the list of all these positive things that are there um, you know, smart agriculture. So for those folks, you know, supporting uh, our farmers across the country, the dollars are there for that now. And, and and also to address, you know, many of these storms that are going on, building up our shorelines right. to help to mitigate some things. It's, it's an exciting time uh, with lots of possibilities and the resources that are there now to help us that, down that road. I want to ask you about a few concrete specifics, but let's give a quick listen to Joe Biden today. Chris, here's the president taking pride in what this new bill means for the battle to contain climate change. Biggest step forward on climate ever, ever, that's going to allow, it's going to allow us to boldly take additional steps toward meeting all of my climate goals and the ones we set out when we ran. So, doctor, this is going to offer working families thousands of dollars in savings with rebates to buy newer 
more efficient appliances and, and ways to weatherize the house. And then, you know, tax credits for heat pumps, tax credits for rooftop solar. It's really all about giving consumers a lot more options and to save money by just making more responsible choices. Well, yeah, most definitely. You know, for me, it's always about everyday folks, right? Are we actually helping everyday folks to be in a better position? So, you know, about folks being able to now transition, like as you said, around the heat pumps and the HVACs and air conditioning as well. You know, in our country, we've got 30 million people right now uh, who don't have uh, air conditioning in their homes and even yeah. more who can't afford it. Um, so this gives folks an opportunity to be able to protect, you know, their families when we have these extreme heat events that you mentioned at the top of the uh, of our segment here, um, having those in place and, and, for, and to make it affordable for them to be able to do it. So they don't have to make those tough choices of can I purchase this? Can I do this energy efficiency in my home or do I have to utilize the dollars to pay the rent or the mortgage? So, you know, we take that out of the equation and make sure folks can make these really great decisions uh, to help to protect their families. And the other part of it also is it makes solar, you know, as you mentioned, more affordable for folks. And it also goes to energy security, which I really appreciate you you mentioning for folks, because we know with the fossil fuel world that we have these spikes that go on. If there's a war, it goes on. If folks in the Middle East decide that they want to, you know, uh, create a few, um, you know, fewer barrels of oil, we have these spikes that go on. When we're dealing with wind and solar, we don't longer have to deal with that. Um, and of course, there are a number of other greener forms of energy that are also a part of the mix. But now folks can can make sure that they have that stability and that security literally, um, you know, on their rooftops and at their fingertips. There's a lot of fear mongering going on, I don't have to tell you, uh, by people who know nothing about the Green New Deal uh, to scare people who know nothing about the Green New Deal. And really, when we talk about, you know, the incentives here, it's not forcing anyone to buy an electric vehicle. You can still buy all the gas guzzlers you want, but it just seems like it's really smart by just making it, I guess, doctor, more affordable for Americans to make the choice to buy an electric vehicle, especially what it would impress me if the vehicle was made in America. Without a doubt. And that's the important part also. You know, it brings it back home. It helps us to strengthen our manufacturing. Um, so you don't have to, to choose to do that. Um, but I'm one who believes I grew up in a community where everybody looked out for each other. Didn't matter what color you were. Didn't matter how much money you made. Folks looked out for each other. And I think as folks are becoming more educated about the sets of opportunities that are there, that they can do something that my grandmother used to talk about when she used to say that you can do good and do well at the same time. Um, so I'm excited about the sets uh, of these new opportunities that are there for everyone. And, and I think the majority of folks will, you know, take advantage of them, especially since the president um, and, and folks, you know, over in the Senate and, and on the House side, you know, put so much thought into this. And it didn't yes. come from just them. That's what we should raise for folks. There were all kinds of stakeholders who played a role in this process. There were folks from the front lines, you know, environmental justice leaders and others who played a role in helping to frame this out. There were business leaders. There were, you know, folks in local and state governments who also shared information, folks from other types of nonprofits. So this was really, you know, a number of different folks coming together trying to figure out a formula to work, um, you know, to work from that, that everyone could see something in the bill that was reflected of their needs and choices. And here's one of the things that we don't call out enough also. Please, please. You know, we also have an expansion of healthcare support as well, which is incredibly important because we know that whether we're talking about communities from the front lines who have been in the footprints and the shadows of these fossil fuel facilities and have been dealing with the impacts to their health or other folks who are now dealing with the impacts that are happening from climate change. You know, many of our grandparents who are dealing with these extreme heat events, others who are dealing with the floods, like brothers and sisters in Kentucky the other day, you know, not only do they need to be able to rebuild their communities and there are resources in there for that through block grants and a number of other types of things, but in many instances, they also have to deal with the physical trauma of going through one of those events and sometimes even the mental trauma that's a part of it. So having, um, you know, our healthcare in place is important. And the other point is holding corporations accountable for them finally paying their fair share of taxes. 
um, which is important yes. also because many of them have made huge amounts of money off the backs of working class people uh, and lower wealth people across our country. So we're finally starting to get some parity uh, in this system. We still got a lot of work to do, but, you know, expanding health care. And then also making sure that people are, you know, those those corporations are, you know, contributing their fair share to, um, you know, to to all the profits that they're making yeah. is an important part. I mean, yeah, it's like it's it's you know not one big thing. It's a lot of medium and little things that are all crammed into one big bill. It's just amazing how much good is in here. And again, we can easily get lost in some of these numbers and some of these superlatives. Good cleaning, clean energy manufacturing jobs on solar projects, wind projects, clean hydrogen projects, carbon capture projects around the country, which is very intriguing. I mean, this is the biggest clean energy investment in American history. Is that the best way to sum it up, doctor? I mean, it's going to lead to jobs creating a billion solar panels, 120,000 wind turbines, 2,300 battery plants. I, I almost don't know how to set this up and explain the vastness of what this bill will do. Yeah. And it also, you know, well, one, it is the largest set of climate investments uh, in human history. Um, yeah. So we should we should honor that that we're doing it. It also gives the United States much more legitimacy when we're working with other countries and and asking them uh, to make um, these investments to make um, right. you know these sets of priority choices. Because if we didn't do it, we have no right in asking others to do it. Even though we are dealing with you know that people talk about an existential threat that that's real. That's not hyperbole. Um, and the scientists who I work with you know, continue to share and update with us, you know, the immediacy of the moment, if you will. Here's the other thing that we don't talk enough about and that I get excited about is that it also gives folks who wanted to be an entrepreneur an opportunity to be able to start their own business, you That's know, right. because there are plenty of of contracting and subcontracting opportunities that are going to be needed. So for those folks who maybe have been electricians or plumbers or welders and others, some will continue um, to take advantage of the huge amount of work opportunities that will be there. Others will start their own business and be able to hire, you know, folks in their communities or folks from their county. Um, so we should also just highlight the fact that, you know, there's the entrepreneurial aspect that many folks will also be able to benefit from and be able to do good. Um, which That's a very is, good point. There it is. Um, I'd be most remiss if I didn't say before I, I leave you, doctor, that uh, I feel a lot better today than I felt 40 days ago. It's been about 40 days since the Supreme Court's ruling limiting the Environmental Protection Agency's ability to regulate carbon emissions. I mean, that 6-3 decision in West Virginia versus EPA was devastating, and it seemed only the end of June that Biden's entire climate agenda has been had been set back. I, I know that today is a, a huge move forward, but what do you think needs to be done most keenly in the uh, weeks and months to come? Well, I, I want people to follow the adage that my grandmother shared with me when she said that you have power unless you give it away. One of the ways that we share or, or show our power is by getting engaged in the civic process um, and understanding the power that exists inside of our vote. You know, we have the midterms that are coming. I never tell anybody who to vote for. I say vote for somebody who cares about your community, someone who cares about your kids, somebody who is focused on the sets of challenges and opportunities um, that are right in front of us. Um, so I think that that's incredibly important. And it's incredibly important because our vote also is tied to judges um, right. uh, who will interpret laws. Um, and it is also tied to, in many instances, our vote is tied to where resources will go and what types of policies we'll be able to move forward on. So we know that today is, is a down payment um, on being able to, to move forward in a positive direction. But there's so much more work that has to happen. We have to pass the Environmental Justice for All Act to make sure that the gaps that were left in relationship to this bill will be able to fill. Um, and we've also got to protect the right to vote and a number of other things. I mean, it's scary to think what they did to the EPA and that it was John Roberts himself who said the EPA can't make any sweeping changes to our power sector Unless a Republican Congress says it's okay first, it, it just seems like madness. These radicals on our Supreme Court, when when air pollution from burning fossil fuels was responsible for about one in five deaths worldwide in 2018. And this Supreme Court is going to be looking at the Clean Water Act again this fall. So I got to close, doctor, by asking you, 
what's giving you hope right now? When you get down, when you get discouraged, who or what is giving you inspiration? You know, there are a few things that give me inspiration. I'm an optimist at heart anyway. I, I believe that our country, when gets focused, can do almost anything. You know, what gives me hope is all these incredible young leaders across the country who continue to push uh, and to bring their innovation and ingenuity uh, into the space. What gives me hope also are the philanthropic family who have began to to move and shift their uh, portfolios to better support the work that needs to happen. And the other thing that, that really gives me hope is that there are so many folks who are coming together, you know, black brothers and sisters, white brothers and sisters, indigenous brothers and sisters, the LGBTQIA community, so many different folks are coming together uh, and saying that the 21st century can and will look different, and we are willing to invest um, our time, our resources, uh, put our bodies on the line sometimes to to make sure that this democracy is all that it is supposed to be and can right be on. and will be. So I'm excited about that. Doctor, it's so good to see you. I thank you so much for coming back to our show. I've been wanting to get you back for a while now. What is the best way for our listeners to keep up with you and your work? Well, you can go to MustafaSantiagoAli.com, uh, and there is Revitalization Strategies. You can also go to uh, www.nwf.org, um, where I'm the EVP over there, or you can go to the Union of Concerned Scientists, um, uh, UCSUSA.org, where I'm the, currently the Interim Chief of uh, Policy and Programs over there. So there are many great organizations um, that I'm a part of. Uh, or you can go to Twitter at EJ in Action. EJ in Action is where I follow you, and you keep me from quitting that site, sir. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for testifying before Congress. Please come back and see us again very soon. Thank you. We will be right back. A full hour of your calls coming up on SiriusXM. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Nine years ago tonight, the show Viewpoint, originally hosted by Keith Olbermann, then Elliot Spitzer, then myself on Current TV, the final episode aired as the final hour of original programming for Al Gore's Current TV. That was nine years ago tonight we signed off on Current TV. Boy, oh boy, what a time. I'll never forget. I had a baby. I had a deal on the table from CNN, and then Al Gore offered me a deal, and Joy Behar said to me, oh, go with Al Gore. Current will be around forever. Mm. But we had a great final show nine years ago tonight. Listen, listen to this, Chris. You know who we had on our final show? Our final show? Roseanne Barr, Louis Black, Liz Winstead, Paul Mercutio, Frank Conniff, Elaine Boozler, Taylor Negron, my one-year-old, Henry, and Dick Cavett. Wow. Those were our guests on our fine. We did shit right, man. Let me tell you. We had Lewis Black and Roseanne on the same show. And Dick Cavett. And TB's Frank. That's how we went out. And uh, to the delight of dozens and dozens of viewers. I'm John Fugelsang. This is Sirius XM Progress. We are at 866-997-4748. Let's get back to the calls because you guys have been so patient for so long, and I thank you for it. Seth in L.A., welcome. Hey, John. How you doing? Great. How are you? Good, I know. Good, good. By the way, I saw, I saw Nirvana open for Pearl Jam to open for the Chili Peppers when they came down naked, upside down with socks over their wieners. No way. You were at that? that? What a line. And I snuck Jesus. into it. Wow. <laughs> and I snuck into it. I, heard, I, I, I never saw Nirvana live, man. 
Never got to see Nirvana live. I'm, I'm, I, I bow down in shame. Yeah, it was great. Um, but uh, I just wanted to say that I, I think one of the bigger parts of the, of the legislation that passed today is the fact that they're going to do enforcement of um, I, the IRS is going to do more enforcement up here, a person, person's tax returns, persons that earn, you know, over 400000 I believe. That's right. That's, um, yes. And I, th- and I, I think that has the potential to be a huge, huge, huge piece of legislation because huge. virtually every, yeah, every wealthy person I know hires accountants to cheat on their taxes. Yes. Wiggle out to do whatever they can do. And, and, and I think it's just great. I, I think it's actually just great besides the 15% on the corporations, which is wonderful as well. But right away, it's it goes tremendous. back to what happened under Obama when they were these, these fake claims of the fake IRA scandal, both then and now yeah. it's the same story. Republicans are furious that Democrats are trying to make the super rich not cheat on their taxes or even as political people. Yep. They're, they're just so furious that Democrats are making it harder to cheat on. That was all the Obama IRS scandal was about. They were scrutinizing groups to see if they really were apolitical uh, for nonprofit status, and they weren't. I mean, literally, yeah. literally, this country was invented by rich white guys who wanted to avoid taxation, and we're still having the same battles. Oh, it, it's, a, it's, it's really, really unbelievable. But the, the Republicans are on the wrong side of almost every cultural issue now. No yes, but they're on the right. But they're on the right side of donors, and that's what matters. But, yeah, they, they are. It does to some extent, but but an informed electorate is really difficult to overcome. I mean, the only one real big piece of legislation we have to get through now is some sort of national voting standard. And honestly, they might not ever win an election again—a free and fair election, at least. I mean, they, they're they're. In, I mean, they'll win in certain states, certainly, but they're on the wrong side of virtually everything. And Little by little, people are siphoning away from the crazy orange guy. I actually think there might be four parties running. I actually think that 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 he might try to start his own party. He's I mean, what they'll be like the right wing party, the Republicans, the left wing party, and the Democrats. To some extent, but I think the left wing and the Democrats. No, I think it's more likely to be an independent with like Cheney. I think it's I think it's likely to be a Trump has his own party, and. I think some Democrats might go with Cheney's sort of idea. They're, they're, you know, they call themselves libertarians or whatever. And I think that you'll have the traditional Republican Party. And, yeah. and I think that they're happy that we're doing their bidding, that we're, that we're finally you know, really starting to overcome some of, some of the terrible of Trumpness. Although I do like the idea of Palin possibly winning, because then you've got Boebert, Palin, and, and Margie Taylor Green. Those oh three God. in Congress might actually shoot each other. And oh, my God. In there, can you imagine Bobert and Palin? Oh, like we've got the squad, they've got the clot. That's that's this that's it's hideous. But you know, I, I think you gotta remember the greatest tool that the Republicans have when it comes to elections, and that's voter apathy. Voter apathy yeah. is fascism's lube, and it's their greatest hope. Yeah. And generally it helps them get elected and it helps them a lot in midterms. Um but it really seems like there's just been such a, a there's been so much going on in so many areas that it's just never been harder for Americans to uh, play dumb about what's going on in the news. I really do think we're going to see a much bigger turnout than a first term oh, president normally gets. Oh, I, I look, I, I mean, look at what's going on. I mean, keep in mind that is, is sure Trump, you know, claims he won and all that stuff. But the bottom line is, is seven or eight million Republicans didn't vote for him. They voted for everybody else down ticket. But they didn't vote for him. Yeah. And there's enough of them. That's really that true, by the way. So, yeah, I mean, 30. So there's, you know, whatever. There's 35, 40 million, 50 million nutso Republicans out there that will follow him no matter where he goes. And I don't even know if they're Republican. I mean, they're basically disenfranchised people yeah. that, that, that are economically downtrodden as well, just like, just like a lot of groups are in this country. I mean, I think I read that close to 80 or 85 percent of the people that were have so far been arrested in the in the insurrection had significant financial issues like significant financial sure. issues and that, i hear that you know, too but but that's sense. the same thing but they tried to sell us on that when trump was elected economic insecurity and the reality is that poor the poorest americans overwhelmingly went for hillary clinton so I don't totally buy the economic insecurity ad. Uh, I, you know, we're all scared. And during 2020, people were really scared with the pandemic going on. But I, I think you make a very good point that um, they keep wondering, you know, the, how could Joe Biden get all these votes? Because a lo- I think a lot of Republicans did vote for Biden. I think millions of Republicans were tired of 
Trump, and they thought we've already got the Supreme Court we want. Abortion's going to be, you know, killed at the federal level. Roe v. Wade is doomed. We don't need to vote this way anymore. And I think that's why you saw the Democrats win the White House, but actually lose votes in the House. I do think a lot of folks voted Joe Biden atop. A lot of moderates and independents voted Joe Biden atop and then went Republican down the ballot. Yeah. I mean, and look at what happened in the Supreme Court. They rejected every single one of Trump's baseless claims, which was pretty easy to reject. They, they actually sort of, to some extent, stood up for democracy. I yeah. mean, but we, what did we give up? We gave up, we gave up a woman's right to choose, and that might really help us more, unfortunately, this go-around, because people are pissed off. And yeah, I wish it didn't come to that. I, I know, I, would just, Me too. I wish it hadn't Thank come God to this. Thank God my mother passed. Thank God my, by the way, the last thing I was able to say to my mother before, well, the doctor said, where she got Omicron in the hospital. My mother was oh, an RN. Oh, so sorry. Yeah. And I, it, was, it was horrible. And extremely liberal. A great, I mean, I, I was lucky. I had a very good mom for a long time. Multiple day winner on Jeopardy. She was a very bright woman. Wow. And she was no bullshit. She was no bullshit. She raised my brothers and I. And the last thing the doctor said to her as they woke her up and it was time to pull the plugs, I said, please tell the doctor that her son's lover and that, you know, everything's cool. And that Donald Trump had a heart attack and died. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Seth, greater love hath no child. Wow. Yeah, honestly. So your mom was your mom was an RN and she your mom was an RN and she succumbed to COVID? Yeah, she did. I'm so sorry. You know, it was it was horrible. But, you know, what happened was the RNs were telling me they said, look, we have to come to work even if we have COVID and we're asymptomatic because it was overtaking the country. I mean, it was clear that what was going on at that point. It was right at the beginning of the year, and right. it, it, it did exactly what it was supposed to do to an older person that wasn't healthy. It That's took true. my mom out, and very quickly. And it sucks. But, you know, at least she didn't have to see Roe versus, you know, the overturn of, you know, Roe versus Ray, because she, that would have killed her. That would have killed her. I hear you. <laughs> so, I yeah. struggle with this all the time, you know, and, and with, with I, I said so many times during COVID, wow, I'm, I'm like, thank God my parents aren't here for this, because, you know, my dad would be out doing meals on wheels for seniors in the neighborhood all week. And I'd be terrified of him, you know, catching it and getting killed. I was, I I just kept thinking, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying this, but thank God my parents aren't here. But I'll tell you the night Trump was elected was the first time I ever said, I'm glad my mom and dad aren't alive to see this. But, and it was the worst feeling I've ever had. It was the worst words I've ever put together. The night he was elected, I just had this thought that came, I'm glad they're not alive to see this, but I'll tell you the truth. What I saw in 2018, what I saw in 2020, all the different Democrats that ran for president and the movement and the George Floyd protests and the people that just demanded justice and took control of the democracy again. I literally on Election Day 2020 said, I wish my parents were alive to see this. Yeah, I I, yeah. Fortunately, my mother was alive for that. You know, my son, who's 14 at the time, protested with my with with my mom when Trump got elected and we wow. went out and we did all that stuff. My mom was healthy enough at that time. And at the end of it, I was walking back with my son. We live in Los Angeles and he was crying. I said, Hunter, what's wrong? And he said, Daddy, I'm just so happy. And 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 I you know, my mom was crying as well because her father had protested for women's suffrage and, and you know, it, we come from a long line of this and my son wow. picked it up as well. And nice. actually my screensaver is my mom and my son on, on my, his grandmother and my, you know, his, my son and my grand, his grandmother on my phone. And it says, immigrants are our friends, our neighbors, and our coworkers. And they were protesting ICE 10 years ago. You know, oh, my God. Ago. You're okay. melting my cynical, frozen, stone-like liberal heart. I love this story, Seth. <laughs> God bless, God bless yeah. your mom and God bless your child. You had a great family and your mother raised your right. Thank you for giving me that story. I needed to hear it tonight. Thank you. Thank you for what you do as well. Many thanks. We got to take a quick break. This is Progress. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's go to our friend Lana in Tennessee. Lana, you have COVID. Yes, yes. <laughs> what happened? Two and a half, up two and a half plus years of managing to avoid it, even being a truck driver when I'm on, you know, crossing state lines every week, and I, I don't know. I'm just flunked as to how I got it, but I gave it to my oh. husband, and so we oh, were, no. you know, all last week we were in our house quarantined. But believe it or not, my company um, changed their protocol and. If you um, are, uh, the, the most days they'd give me off was seven. Really, they wanted to just give me off five. And then if I went 24 hours without a fever, they wanted me back in the truck. <laughs> oh. Even wow. though I still didn't feel quite up to snuff. In fact, as we speak, I did not feel quite up to snuff. I went back to work Friday, and I just wanted to share that, you know, like I said, I'm, I was fully vaccinated and boosted, and so right. it was like a really bad flu, you know, yes. um, and, and like I said, I'm still, you know, a, a nasal, still have a little bit of sinusitis and, and, and coughing and stuff, but for the most part, I'm fine. My husband as well, uh, he was I obviously also vaccinated and boosted, and so... Um, and and we also uh, both wear masks everywhere we go. And the last that's great. And, and back in July, I had two different doctor's appointments and um, and a dental appointment. And the dentist's office, every the uh, staff was wearing masks, but the receptionists weren't. And at the doctor's offices, believe it or not, none of the staff and none of the nurses were wearing masks except uh, in the exam room. And uh, I was completely... My doctor obviously was wearing a mask. But right. the, the second place I went to, it was a specialist. It was for a pain clinic. And, you know, I mean, it's an actual doctor. You know, um, I have nice. uh, whiplash issues still from oh, no. two years ago. So I had to go oh, to no. pain specialist. I know. <laughs> I might have to have surgery on my neck, but that's... Not again with but I mean, I just, I was just completely blown away because that particular doctor was not wearing a mask, and none of his oh nurses or none of his staff were, and that, and I, I was just, you know, and that, that was in July, and then in, at the very beginning of August, you know, literally, I think July 30th is when I first started having symptoms, and right. then I tested, and it was like, what's going on? I mean, I don't understand it, Johnny. I mean, clearly, COVID is still very much. COVID is still there, but what's going on is that the vaccines, what's going on is that the vaccines worked, and it's incredible to look, you look at these charts, and for two years we've seen every time there's a spike in cases, there's been a spike in hospitalizations and a spike in deaths, but now, because so many of us finally got around to getting the damn shot, we have a spike in cases, but our hospitals are not overrun. Our ventilator wards are not overrun. Our morgues are not over. My God, the, the phrase overrun morgue is probably the, the creepiest phrase yeah. we'll hear all decade long. So it's because people gave a damn about each other and got the damn shots that now, yeah, you'll still get mm-hmm. COVID. It's still killing people, but it's killing a couple hundred a day, not 4,000 a day. And right. we're able to handle it. We're able to handle it better. Exactly. Exactly. But I still feel like it's important to wear a mask in public. I mean, yes, I agree. I it's harm reduction. I, I mean, you know, and, and to not wear a mask in a doctor's office? Hey, we live in New York City here. We're wearing masks on the subways all the time. Not all of us. We wear masks when we go indoors to places. Not not always. You know, we'll wear a mask into the movie theater. Once we're seated, we'll take it off. But like going into a drugstore where you got tons of people coughing online for prescriptions. I mean, my God, New Yorkers are still wearing masks indoors a lot of places. It's about harm reduction. It's about caring about each other. That's why we do it. I, I, I hope you and your husband thing. heal, and I hope he forgives yeah, you absolutely. for passing this on to him. <laughs> he was very happy with me. <laughs> okay, good. Good, I'm glad. He, he's home and he's disabled, so he doesn't have to work. So he gets okay. to stay home and take care of himself. So I'm but really going to have to go out here to work. But wait a second. Are you, so are you, are you driving with COVID? 
I am driving with COVID. I still tested positive for COVID before I left. I just don't have a fever, so my company says I got to come out here and work. God bless oh America. Oh my God. <laughs> you have COVID. This is why I'm calling. And they're <laughs> making you work. Yeah, I still have COVID, but because I don't have fever and I'm not technically contagious, I oh have to God. go back to work. So. Yes, I've been uh, working with it I'm since last Friday, and I still have it. Wow. <laughs> so it's like... Lana, please stay safe. Thank me. you for wearing a mask. I'll say a prayer for you. Thank you for wearing a mask. And thank, thank you. you thank you for being a trucker and keeping our economy going. Have a great evening. Please stay safe and get some rest when you can. Wow.